You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, uh, my name is Tanya Pinkins, and you're listening to You Can't Say That, the podcast where you can on the Broadway Podcast Network. My guest today is an, is a good girlfriend of mine. Um, I think the first time we kind of met was uh, up at Barrington Stage um, after a cabaret I did there. And she and I and some other friends, we stayed in the theater and just acted a fool. I actually have some video of that. Um, she is a first in many arenas on a new NBC tape TV show called Connecting. She was on the final episode of Transparent as a writer, actress, singer. Um, so many stories I'm not going to tell you. Join me in welcoming my guest and friend, Shakina Nafat. Hey, Hello. Tanya. Thanks for that intro. <laughs> so, darling, we are living in an interesting time. Is it, it exciting? Is wild. It is definitely wild. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm really quite excited. I'm thrilled to watch what's going to unfold. I'm like, people are like, are you, are you celebrating? I'm like, talk to me February right, 1st. Exactly. Right now, it's sort of like, sometimes I want to like pop popcorn and just watch wide-eyed in horror. And other times I'm like, let's get to the streets. And then sometimes I just want to cry on my couch. But either way, it's, it's an event, no matter what. And I feel like all of the things you just described are big sensations. And they are the big sensations that we as human beings are privileged to get to have and to deny ourselves any of them is to deny our That's humanity. That's really true. You know, I, I agree with that. I think you and I are both people who feel things in a big way and who follow those feelings with passion and abandon. So yeah, I think there's no other way to get through it than to sort of allow for all of it to wash over you and, and then try to make sense of what you can. But you know, I grew up, I grew up almost jealous of 1968, like stories that my mom would tell about her college years. And I've always been enchanted by political revolution and the struggle of liberation. And so the opportunity to get dirty in it, you know, I welcome that. Woo! Woo! She want to get dirty in it. I said she want to get dirty in it. Well, okay, let's get dirty then. So it was quite moving for me. I usually don't even participate in listening to any of the political stuff, but it 
I listened to the two speeches that Biden and um, Kamala gave, and I felt moved to hear them mention a systemic racism. I think that might've been the first time that has ever happened at that level in America. And there was something else that was mentioned, you know, that was the first time that they ever mentioned transgenders. What was it like for you? I got to say, I cheered, I cheered more for the mention of systemic racism, which Biden said twice. And then when he said, you know, transgender people, I, I felt warm in my heart and grateful. Um, but I didn't, I didn't cheer. I don't know why that is. Um, I think because in this moment, I'm, you know, really trying to be an accomplice uh, to the struggle for folks of color and black folks specifically in this country. And of course, the intersection for me is are the, the struggles that black trans folk face, especially black trans women. But um, but yeah, I mean, the fact that he said systemic racism twice in his speech, I was like, hit it home, nail it in, like, let us know. Um, and then, you know, I'm used to like when political figures mention us, it was great to be mentioned at that level, but I'm going to wait to see what the follow-up is. Right, right. I was listening to Angela Merkel's uh, speech where, where on the anniversary of Kristallnacht where she was apologizing for the shame that Germans have for that you know genocide of the Jewish people. And I thought, wow, I can't wait to hear someone from America talk about the shame of the genocide of the indigenous people, the enslavement of the Africans, the enslavement of the African Americans, the impoverishment of the immigrants and the undocumented. So I'm looking forward yeah, to that. You know, me too. I think as a queer person, like I think queer people know the experience of being in the closet. And so they know the kind of um, acting out behavior that shame brings before you reconcile with yourself. And really that's what America's doing right now. I mean, especially the political right. They're just acting out because they can't accept, you know, who they are and where we come from. Well, let's talk about that acting out. Because I often think a lot about the violence against transgender women. And, you know, I've dated, of course, I've dated cis men. And, you know, one of them in particular, he was really obsessed with, you know, trans women who had breasts but had penises that really excited him and when i say well would you want to you know no 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 but to look at the pictures you know there was something going on there and so i often wonder if the violence that you know particularly brown transgender women have been experiencing the murder let's not say murder and vicious murders chopping people into pieces uh, ripping people apart um you know, the degradation of their humanity is this uh, rejection of something inside. Well, you know, I say in my solo show, Manifest Pussy, that um, that straight men love a chick with a dick because it's the form they admire with the equipment they understand. You know? Yes! Yes! Um, yes! I'm familiar with that fetishization. Like when when I was at a certain point in my transition that I had breasts and a penis, I got I had more sex than I had it my entire life in that in that in those wow. few years of, of transitional time. Because I was like, oh, I'm a commodity now. Well, let me cash in on that. Um, and you know, sometimes mm. it was scary and sometimes it was hot, but it was always intriguing because I think there's this weird sort of disconnect between, you know, desire. And then uh, an internalized homophobia 
where where these men have to sort of ride this razor's edge that has to do with toxic masculinity and patriarchy and all those things on a really lived and embodied level. And so I really do think that the violence that trans people face has to do with with that confusion between something that is that you desire and that you you you've been trained to believe is morally wrong. And so there's like a rejection of of one's own potential quote unquote homosexuality because you want to suck on a dick. But sometimes sucking on a dick is like very straight. You know, it just depends on like mm-hmm. what that dick is attached to. Um so yeah. Yeah, I got some friends who say they can they're flexible enough they can suck oh, on well, their own dicks. You know, that's a champion right there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, you got this thing. Of course you'd want to suck on it. It's like no different than a thumb or a finger. Like, why wouldn't you want to suck on that thing? It feels good. Like, <laughs> makes sense to me. <laughs> I'm sure if some women could bend over and eat their pussy, they I mean, would. I watch my dog do it. I'm like, I get it, girl. I get it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but you know what else I um, think is important to acknowledge around the attacks on um, black and brown trans women is that those attacks are coming primarily from black men. And so it makes me think about when, you, when you've been like shat on and stepped on and looked down on your whole life and you're looking for some personal power, you look down for who you can step on and shit on. And, you know, black trans women are like a minority within a minority within a minority. And so it makes sense that like for people with no other, like I walk around here in, in Harlem as a gender nonconforming trans woman, but I'm aware that my whiteness keeps me safe, you know, um, in in a certain way that it's like p- potentially easier to enact violence without consequence on a black trans woman than it would be on me. And, and so I think that's, that's, you know, it's, it's partially the internalized homophobia that these men feel. And it's partially like, a need to enact power over someone because of the ways in which they've been, you know, robbed of their own power. Um, Right. Looking for somebody that they can kick, you know, so the shit can roll downhill somewhere. And that's, you know, that's the lowest of the lowest of the low because it's lower than black. It's lower than woman. It's trans black. Exactly. And I think that like people are really, I mean, I'm glad we could talk about it on this podcast because I think people are really afraid to talk about that, especially this year where so many um, non-black folks have taken up the banner of Black Lives Matter, uh, but are afraid Mm -hmm. to acknowledge the realities behind the murder of black trans women. Um, Because it feels Mm -hmm. like a thing that if you're not black, you can't talk about it because it's an internal Mm. community issue. And so that's tricky. And I always feel like that's a cop out. I feel like that's yeah. a cop out, you know, like I, 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 the beauty for me of getting to have this podcast and it being, you can't say that is like, I feel like sometimes putting my foot in my mouth and stepping in the shit is the way of making connection. You know, when I was in Korea, I would try to say my Korean friends names and they would just laugh at my horrible pronunciations, <laughs> but my ability to be vulnerable and let them laugh at me was our connection. We were building a relationship mm that I was willing to just keep messing up and rather than going, okay, I'm just, I'm going to call you by your Americanized name. Cause that's easier for me. I was risking something and for me building bridge that yeah. way. 
Well, I felt that way when I have been out at these Black Lives Matter protests and I've chanted Black Trans Lives Matter. Um, and it's interesting because there are there are these marches that are specifically, you know, about Black trans life, or there are these, you know, queer liberation marches dedicated to Black life. So, so centering Black trans women is like an obvious choice. But then there were some of the like mm. mainstream Black Lives Matter marches where I got dogged. I mean, I got devilish looks from from folks for for daring to chant Black Trans Lives Matter and. Even, you know, on the show Connecting, where we, in this in this last week's episode, I was wearing a Black Trans Lives Matter t-shirt with the Black Trans Lives Matter sign, you know, saying the names of Tony McDade and Nina Pop on the show, which was so amazing. But I had to have a call with, you know, some of the people on the show about why that mattered and why that was important and how that actually didn't take away from the Black Lives Matter movement, but made the Black Lives Matter movement more comprehensive. So tell me how that conversation, I mean, th you're shooting in quarantine, yeah, right? So the whole show, it was like, we, we never really met anybody. We were all on Zoom together. Uh, the whole, the entire, you know, creative team, producing team, design team, camera team, all on a Zoom with the cast. And we were all like in our own apartments, which became our own sets, setting up our own lighting and camera equipment. And, um, but we, but we did have like a really great camaraderie because we were in that digital space together so often and for so long that it felt like we were hanging out with each other. So it became pretty easy to check in with one another. We knew that we had three episodes back to back, which was a considerable portion of our eight episode season dedicated to addressing um, the summer racial reckoning. Um, about the protests. And so it, it starts at the wow. end of episode three, the characters all see the George Floyd video and we watch them react to it. And then- You watch it, it's played on no, the show? Or you, you just see, you see, you see, all, us see you all watching? watching. It. Yeah. Um, and okay. then the next three episodes, uh, you know, follow the um, point of view of the, of the three- uh, black actors, black characters on the show about how this affected them as time goes on. So we see like mm. the initial emotional burden that the character of Michelle played by Jill Knox has to carry when everyone asks her to do all of their emotional labor around this mm. issue. Um, and then we um, see the pressure that her um, brother uh, played by Preacher Lawson feels and where he like develop, he develops this ulcer because he can't handle all of the stress of these like of these continual abuses. Um, and that's laid against his um, decision about whether he should or should not attend the protest. And then um, in episode six, uh, we sort of spin it a little bit, but um, Annie played by um, O.T. Marrero, she is, the whole episode is about her talking to her con conservative um, Latinx family in Florida about defunding the police. So, um, and we do it all with comedy and with heart, but but it's a big. You're pitching this good. Like I, I want to listen well, now. I, I want to go watch see it. it. It's on Hulu and and Peacock and NBC.com. Um, but yeah, but because we were dealing with these big topics, we formed this. We had a group chat with the cast where we would check in with one another about how you're doing. Like when when Jill was f shooting her episode, we were all like, "Girl, you got this. You're carrying the emotional labor of the show, just like you're just like the character is, and we're here for you. What do you need?" And so when it came time for the protest episode and I was making a big, big deal about needing to say Black Trans Lives Matter on the air, needing to wear that shirt on the air. And uh, 
Why was it a big deal? Why wasn't that just like, okay, who was giving you a pushback? Well, it, it, um, there were a couple different things. There was pushback from the network, um, in the, in, in terms of the wardrobe, because they, they sent everyone these protest shirts. So we had shirts sent to us that said, resist and, um, <laughs> enough. That said nothing. Said nothing. That just said I nothing. Said, I said, oh, well, I, Ellis is only going to wear a shirt that says Black Trans Lives Matter. And then the costume designer who was, you know, brokering was like, well, we have to give the network options. So I was like, okay, here's a shirt that says Black Trans Lives Matter in black and white. And here's a shirt that says Black Trans Lives Matter in the color of the trans flag. So here are your options. Yes! There's your options. And then, um, and then, you know, the, um, the, uh, the writers and, I mean, I, you know, I honestly don't know um, exactly where the other conversations were happening. But I do know that I got a call uh, from someone working on the show um, who I'm not going to name, but it was a great call. No, no need. Yeah, it was a great call. And they were like, I just don't understand why, why you need to say Black Trans Lives Matter. Isn't saying Black Lives Matter enough? And, mm. and doesn't it d dilute from the movement? And I said... You know, I explained to them how this year has been the deadliest year for trans women on record and uh, how these murders continue to happen and and people and, and, and oftentimes are within the black community are not acknowledged. And um, and this person really kind of had their eyes opened to to mm. what that struggle has been. And they said something that was so beautiful. They said, like, oh, it's sort of like when we tell people all lives can't matter until black lives matter, you're saying that, like. All black lives, black lives can't matter to black matter to black trans lives yeah. matter. And then I tried really That's hard. I, I, I wrote to the, I, I in, immediately wrote to the writers and was like, can we put this conversation in the show? This was such a beautiful conversation. It's real life. And it didn't make it in the show. Um, okay. But you got to wear the t-shirt. I got to wear the t-shirt. And so, you know, I figured like, I'm going to ask for the world. I'm going to push hard and ask for the world and at least get something. And, and it's there a lot. Like when you watch the episode, there's no question. You know, and even um, the uh, the character of uh, Ben, played played by Preacher Lawson, in that episode, talks about Tony McDade in his list of names. So it was amazing to, you know, to see on the show um, this black cis straight man including the names of black trans people when he's talking about the victims of police brutality and murder. Very powerful. Very powerful. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, so let's stay in the shit. Let's stay in the dirty. Okay. So I was doing an online uh, show, 
And one of the designers kept referring to me as they. And I kept thinking, who are they talking to? Who, who are they talking to? And I said, wait, wait, wait a minute. And then there was this moment of like, she's stealing my she identity. She's stealing my she identity. And then over time, I started thinking, you know, why can't we just call everybody that? I've always thought. But I want to acknowledge that I had this thing of like, they, what, what, that, yeah. that, you're calling me a they. You're calling me a they. And I found myself kind of reflexively just using the they all the time now. Yeah, I, I think that for me, that's always been the fallback. You know, if you don't know someone's gender or how they identify, they is a really handy way to refer to them and not assign anything. But I never thought about people being assigned they, the way that people assume she or he. And I felt the same way because I've worked so hard for my she as a gender nonconforming trans woman. Like I don't always look like a blonde bombshell like I am on TV, you know, and you know this and and maybe some of your listeners know that like mostly I walk around like, you know, with shaved head and kind of in like everyday clothing. So I'm not like out here trying to play hyper femme all the time. So, so I ask people like, you know, the she pronoun really, really affirms my female identity, even when I'm not like giving you all the the clues and cues. Um, but I saw also on Twitter, someone recently was like upset that they've been they'd. And, um, and she was like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm she, not they. And I think, well, they, in a way, um, belongs to all of us in a sort of post-gender, uh, you know, conversational way to prevent making those assumptions or like loading every subject with gender that doesn't need to be loaded with gender. But um, but I also hear what you're saying and what I've seen a lot of like radical feminists, including the turfy ones, uh, that, that um, it's really important that we don't rob women of their womenhood, womanhood, you know? Um, and so it's a delicate subject because when when women's rights are rolling back down the hill, you know, there's a lot of fear, anger, and protection around that identity and the progress that has been made, you know, by women for women. So, um, so I get it, but I, but I also think that they is, is great and that everyone should use it and just work it into the vocabulary and normalize it as a single person pronoun. And yeah, I, 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 I'm, it's kind of happening, but I had to acknowledge that at first it was like, who, who's she talking to? Right. Who are they talking to? Right. Who I mean, who are they talking to? Right. Who are they talking to? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> who are they talking to? <laughs> um, so you just brought up, led me where I was gonna go turf. The first time I ever saw the word, heard the word was on your Instagram. I mean, no, on your Twitter. Mm -hmm. You gotta tell us what it is, because I didn't know what it was. I still don't know what the acronym is, and I'm gonna have to tell you it upset me. So tell yeah. me about okay, turf. Okay, sure. <laughs> Turfs uh, turf is a term um that the acronym is trans exclusionary radical feminists. So there are people that consider themselves radical feminists um, and that their feminism is contingent upon trans people not being who they say they are. That's sort of like the, oh. uh, the, the crucial rallying point around this group of feminists. And, and I actually struggle to call them feminists, which is why I don't like the word turf. Cause I feel like if you're excluding trans people, you're not a feminist and you don't get to claim that title. So did they name themselves? No, it was a name that was that was uh, created. Um, gosh, I don't remember how long ago now, but I think it could have been as as long ago as the late '90s or the early 2000s. Um, oh. I remember reading about the the concept when I first moved to New York in um, 20. 
10 and there had been already, you know, scholarly articles written about, cause I geek out about feminism sometimes like, like to go to the academic route, but there had already been like scholarly articles written about the ways in which trans exclusionary radical feminists were arguing for violence against trans people <gasps> and were co-conspirating with the Christian right to prevent, oh my God. Uh, trans people from getting, uh, equal access to healthcare and bathrooms and things like that. Oh my God. So it's this, it's this really um, sort of crazy um, uh, like departure from what we, what we think the objectives of feminism are, which is are to put women at the center and to subvert the, the patriarchy. And, um, and instead it creates a, uh, a hierarchy that, um, that values certain women and disparages other women. Now, you didn't hear, first of all, that word feminism for me does the exact same thing because feminism is only about white women because black women didn't need feminism. They was already working and taking care of the family and doing everything. So feminism didn't give anything to black women. So, you know, even within that word, there's all these levels of, of hierarchy. And it sort of reminded me, as you were saying, of like the Christian evangelicals who don't want to help the poor because God must have wanted them to be poor. Or this uh, this way in which people can take anything and redefine it to serve themselves. That's so true. I think it's about like, are you claiming feminism to enhance your personal power or are you claiming feminism to end the discrimination against all women. And yeah, it's the same thing with Christ. Are you claiming Christ to for your own righteousness or are you claiming Christ for the righteousness of all people? So I'm so glad you explained that to me because when I saw it on your website or whatever on the, on the thing, uh -huh. I just got upset. And I was just like, why are trans women attacking women? Like women already have it bad enough like why what is this divide and conquer is this just toxic masculinity coming over into the women's space i had no idea there was this history i had no knowledge and even when i tried to do some little googles of it what you just shared with me did not come up and so i was like i got to jump in the shit because i need to know because i don't understand this at all yeah and i remember <laughs> that you reached out to me and to mj rodriguez and we were both so beat down at the moment that we were like we can't it's not time, okay. you know, because, you, and you know how this is. Sometimes you, you just, you're, it's, you're too exhausted to explain it one more time. And when JK Rowling came out so vehemently against trans people, it was such a gut punch because um, up to that point, turf feminism um, trans exclusionary feminism had just sort of been like a fringe element. You know, it never had a mainstream platform. It was always like really, like um, like angry dykes or like ignorant uh, like stay-at-home moms, you know? And, and it was mostly in the UK and Australia and like whatever. But the exact emotions that you were explaining, like what is this? Why are trans people trying to divide women? That is the sort of um, gateway uh, rhetoric point that, that turf feminists use to recruit people to mm. their trans antagonism. And mm. so it's really, it, that's why it's so dangerous is because um, as we, as I mentioned about black trans women, right? A minority within a minority. So trans women are, you know, we're worse than women, we're trans women, you know? Mm. Um, and like, uh, so when we are 
when we are like attacked by within from with from within the community, it's like so much more painful. I can deal with bros calling me names, you know, cis dudes being homophobic and transphobic, like please every day. But when a woman, when a when a person who who I think is my sister in arms turns around and excludes me from the membership in in a in a group that I I have no choice in being a, a member of. I mean, it's just who I am. You know, mm. it's, it's um, doubly painful. So when J.K. Rowling does it, you know, and she's, you know, beloved internationally, she has the biggest platform of almost any author in the world. She has so much money and so much prestige and so many fans and followers in pop culture. She was really trying to wage a culture war. I mean, her her the essay that she published over the summer was called Turf Wars. And she really, um, she really is out here trying to, uh, to wipe trans people out of existence. I mean, to either legislate us away or to, um, to you know, engineer um, systems by which we will no longer be allowed in public life, like separate but equal type of things. So you really believe that? Because I tried to read some of those essays, and I was like, I thought she was. I thought what I read was that she was just concerned that in England any person could just go get a certificate that said they were any gender they wanted it to be and that it would put, you know, women in danger in bathrooms because now men could just get a certificate and come in and commit violence against them. Or yeah, that. What did they say about like black people getting the right to vote? You know what I'm saying? Okay. I get, I hear you. Come call me out, please call yeah, me yeah. out. Cause no, I want to understand. Why so, that's why it's so, um, uh, vicious is because it's couched in a type of, false compassion where mm. we're caring about these mentally ill men who want to wear dresses and mm. we want them to get help instead of transitioning and we don't want to, and and we think that like trans people are stealing young lesbians away and we'll no longer mm. have young lesbians we're only going to have oh. like baby trans boys you know so it's it's framed as this compassionate cry for help when really it's bigotry and intolerance and 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 trying to um exclude trans people from like more and more places of public life to where we won't be able to leave our houses without threats of violence against us. I'm sorry. And I, whole. I'm it. I really appreciate you going here with me because I feel like I'm not alone in how I feel and just not understanding it. And so I appreciate you. You know, I'm sorry if I push some buttons, but I feel like it's an important conversation because I, 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 you know, all I saw was some Twitter and I just like, what is going on? Right, right, right. And then when I reached out to other, some women in the community about it, they were like, I can't have that conversation because they will shame the trans women will shame me out of existence. I can't even talk about it. I'm not, I can't even have right. a conversation. And I was like, well, I got to go into it because if, if, if women are now like, I can't even talk about it. And now we've got this rift where then we're, we're creating a bigger problem. That's going to go on and on and on. Like if you can't talk about racism, then we can't solve racism. And right. if we can't talk about genocide, we can't solve genocide. So I'm like, I feel like I'm always willing to go be the lightning rod because that is the only way we can have change is when we can hear the other person. Right. I totally agree. I totally agree. And I think it's an important conversation to have so that people aren't, you know, fanning the fires of disinformation and fear mongering. Um, because the truth is that there are just different types of women. 
you know, but we can still all be women. Like the umbrella is broad. Agreed. This is Tanya Pinkins. That was part one of my conversation with my good friend, Shakina Nafak. Do come back for part two. It's even more delicious. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.